This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play Doctor Online. Pinstripe Fever. Dun dun dun. Pinstripe Fever. Dun dun dun. Twins got the Pinstripe Fever. Dun dun dun. Why am I singing? <laughs> pinstripe Fever. What's that? Well, let me tell you. Remember last week, I spent a lot of time talking about the baseball, and I'm going to talk more about it today, right at the top here, just to get it out of the way, and I'll try not to go on about it for too long. I promise. I promise to try anyway. And anyway, so um, last week when I started recording the show, the Twins were in the process of losing the first of the American League Division Series to the hated Yankees. The first game in that series. It's a five-game series, so whoever gets three wins first wins the series. And as I recall, they lost that game ten to four. I think it was. And I, I, I even said back then, I'm refraining from going into a rant because, well, it was just the first game. Who knows what could happen for the rest of the series? The Twins could have gone on to win the next three. Don't know. Turns out, <laughs> they lost that series in three games. Just bing, bang, bong. It just was. It was over. It was done, and I won't go through the analysis of each game and all that. But it's just—it was just—it was—it was disappointing. Now, here's—I I, want to kind of separate the idea of this—the the emotional reaction and the rational reaction to the Twins in the postseason this year. I've talked about this many times when I mention sports that I—that I. I, that I tend to lose that rational side of my mind when it comes to sports. I tend to be more emotional about it. And I tend to be pessimistic in nature, so you know, that's just how I am. And uh, in the days leading up to the series against the Yankees in the postseason, in the days leading up to that, the local radio sports guys uh, there's one particular show that I'll listen to uh, on occasion um, and uh, usually when I'm dropping off supplies or something for during the day for work I don't generally put them on uh, during the day but anyway so I was hearing them and they were talking about uh, amongst themselves that there was a group of what uh, I don't know there's like three or four guys on the show maybe five and they were all giving their predictions for how the series would go. 
And they'd spent so much time talking about how this is not the same Twins team. This they didn't believe in pinstripe fever. Uh, they you know they said this is a new manager. He doesn't care about the Yankees. And it's got Nelson, Nelson Cruz is the leader on that team. He's a veteran player. He doesn't care about the Yankees. It's it's not going to be you know pinstripe fever. Which pinstripe fever means when you're talking about baseball. I mean, there are plenty of teams that have pinstripes in their uniforms. The Twins, among them, they have a, a uniform with pinstripes in it. But when you're talking about baseball and you say pinstripes, in general, people know that you, you mean the, uh, the New York Yankees. That's the team you mean. And pinstripe fever means that there's a, there are teams or, that just can't seem to beat the Yankees. There's just something about them. Is it psychological? Is it... Is it just that the Twins are always, or the the Yankees are always better? I don't know, but okay. So leading up to the series, these guys were talking about this is not the same Twins team. This is this is going to be different. This is going to be the year. Uh, one of their one of the front office executives to the for the Twins team was being interviewed, and he says it's time to slay the dragon. We're going to do it this year. We're going to beat the Yankees, and uh, so the guys all decided said, okay, what's your prediction for the for this upcoming series. And each, every one of them said that the Twins would win the series. Uh, they were giving how many games it would take. So most of them said Twins in four games. One said Twins in five. Uh, and I'm, I was listening to it, and I, I was just sitting there saying, guys, 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 Yankees in three. Yankees in three. Now you just have to take my word for that. Uh, there's a few people that I might have mentioned that to, but I, I, I'm not on public record saying that the Twins were going to get swept by the Yankees yet again in, uh, out of the postseason. And I, and I, so you just have to take my word for it, but that's what I was saying. I was calling that back at the radio. Yankees in, five, uh, in three. Yankees in three. The Twins aren't going to win. They're just going to, you know, it's, it's just, they're just going to roll over. Now, I was hoping I was wrong. Turns out I was right. And so I want to split this into what was my thinking. There's the emotional side, the where the rational part of my brain kind of shuts down and says, you know, this is, it's just the Yankees. They always lose to the Yankees. They're going to lose to the Yankees. It's just how it is. That's not a reasoned, logical, uh, you know, skeptical answer. It's just emotional. That's how it's going to be. They got pinstripe fever. They're going to lose. I don't care. I don't care who's on the team. I don't care who's the new manager. I don't care. They're going to lose. But my more rational thinking, there was some of that in there. And that was, uh, as I was thinking about it, you know, after the series came to an end, uh, of the four division series that took place, the two for the two there was two for the National League, two for the American League, Three of them went all five games. One went three, <laughs> of course. And the, the I, my thinking was, my more rational, reasoned thinking was, how have the Twins been playing going into the postseason? Yes, they, they clinched the division, and yes, they set the home run record, which is way cool, and, they pro and hopefully they'll have it for a long, long time. Uh, and 
and yes, they won 101 games. That's one short of the the record that the franchise uh, uh, of wins that the that the team had won uh, in the in, in the past. Uh, I think it was the 1965 team that had won 102 games. So you know, it, it, it they won a lot of games. And but how did that season end? It didn't end very well. It, it was it was trending a little bit up in some aspects, but. From about August, well, sometime after the All-Star break, which is in the first couple of weeks of, of July, somewhere around there, or after that, the Twins started to falter. Their starting pitching got a little wonky at some point. Their bullpen got really bad for a while there. And it just, and then the bullpen started to get better, but the starting pitching wasn't so great. We we had one pitcher, Michael Pineda. He was uh, banned from the, you know, uh, he was put on a suspension, I should say, from the game for 60 games because he was he was caught taking a, a not a performance enhancing drug, but he was taking a diuretic, which was a banned substance by the league. The diuretic generally is being used to mask taking performance enhancing drugs, but they found that he he was taking the diuretic to drop some weight, I guess. That's not exactly, doesn't exactly work. But anyway, he was suspended for 60 games, and that effectively took him out of the season, and just, you know, he was gone. And he was pitching pretty well. So it was just, you're looking at that. So they were kind of limping toward the end, and they had a very soft schedule in the last three weeks. They played the the Kansas City Royals, uh, Chicago White Sox, and Detroit Tigers, and all three of those teams... Uh, Central Division, same same division as the Twins. All three of them were having bad seasons, and they were just at the end, and they were just kind of playing things out. They won a couple of games, but the Twins just they they just they managed to clinch, and the Cleveland Indians faltered because they were playing a little harder schedule toward the end. So the Twins managed to just, just kind of limp into the postseason. Like it's, it was a little bit on the upswing because the the bullpen seemed to be figured out. Uh, and and some of the injured players from the offense were back, but were they 100 percent? I don't know. But I looked at that and I and I just thought they're just it's just not going to work. And I, I just I'm just not confident in how well they're going to play. And they're playing the Yankees, and the Yankees have been playing a lot better <laughs> than the Twins were heading into the postseason. And I, I'd said this to this person the other day. I, I said, you know, if the Twins had stayed at the same level of play. From the that they had going going into the All Star break, if they had stayed at that level, uh, because it, that before the All Star break, the Twins did not lose more than two games in a row, and they didn't lose many games, period, uh, at that point. At some at some point in the season, they they had the best uh, record in the majors, in, in of both leagues. They had the best record. It was percentage points, but they still had the best record. And and it just looked like wow these guys are really you know offenses was coming on the the pitching was good it was just you know on all those home runs looked pretty good but then after the All Star break they started to come down to earth a little bit had they not come back down to earth had they kept that pace had they stayed on top of it they might have ended up with the best record in baseball at the end of the season uh, and 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 if the everything else ended the same way, uh, they might not have had to face the Yankees first thing in the, in the playoffs. Uh, but I would have been more optimistic about how they went. And I just, 
I, I, I was not so optimistic. And there's one other thing that had me thinking, you know, they're just going to get swept by the Yankees. Uh, being swept by the Yankees, that part of it is emotional. Being beaten by the Yankees was rational. Okay, I, I, picking the Yankees to win that series is, was a rational thing because of some of these reasons that I went through. Being swept was just being my normal pessimistic self. So the one other thing that occurred to me leading up to this, the the division series was um, how well had the Twins done against the Yankees in the regular season. Now, the Yankees not being in the Twins division, they don't play the Twins as often as the division uh, rivals will play. Uh, so the Twins had six games, I think, this season against the Yankees. Three in New York, three here in, in the Twin Cities. And they managed to win two of those games. And I guess the series that took place here in the Twin Cities, which was the second series of the season, later in the season, was a very wild one. But still, the Twins only managed to win one of those games, and the Yankees took two. And it's just, I just looked at it, and I said, there was, these, these guys on the local radio, they, they would be talking about that particular series and how crazy it was and how back and forth it was. And there was one game where just Twins kept getting the lead, the Yankees would tie them up, and the Yankees would go ahead, the Twins would get the lead back, then the Yankees would tie them up and then and get the head, and... It, the the game ended up being fourteen to twelve in ten innings, and the Yankees won it. The Yankees won, not the Twins. No matter the Twins may have played them really tough, but the Yankees still won. And I remembered something that um, a former manager of the Twins, Tom Kelly, had had answered a question he asked about related to this Yankees thing. Uh, who was Tom Kelly? Tom Kelly was uh, the manager that took over for the Twins at the very end of the 1986 season, but then his first full year as manager, his, it's considered his rookie season as a manager, was 1987. And he, you know, he led the team right to the World Series in 87, and the, and the Twins won it. And again, four years later, in 1991, he, he brought him back to the World Series in which the Twins won again. So Tom Kelly has two World Series championships under his belt. He had beaten his his twins had beaten the Yankees during the regular season, and that's the key when uh, to uh, how what what Tom Kelly was saying how the Twins could beat the Yankees in the postseason. He was asked a couple of years ago, I think it was around that wild card game that the Twins lost to the Yankees in 2017. He was asked, "What do the Twins need to do?" to beat the Yankees in the postseason. And his answer was, they have to start beating the Yankees in the regular season. They have an atrocious record against the Yankees in the regular season. It's like the Twins have something like 40 wins, and the Yankees have something like 70-something wins, and that's, in, that's since the 2000s. It's, I, think that's, I think that's what it runs out to be. It's, it's horrible. It's a horrible record. They get just... The, and... That's what I looked at. Even this season, they may have done better than last year. I think last season they won one game against the Yankees. I think they did. This season they won two, and they played them tough in the other games. Fine. They still kept losing games to the Yankees. And that's why I was down on them in a rational sense. 
that they, they hadn't demonstrated that they can beat the Yankees in a regular season sort of way where, you know, I want to see it happen where they get to the end of the year and they're looking back at the season and they see that, oh, you know, we got the, you know, the, and they're going into the into the playoffs and they say, oh, we got the Yankees up again, but they don't say, oh, we got the Yankees again. They look back and say, you know, we played them six times this season. We beat them five times. We've got these guys. That's, that's might be the difference maker. Is that a psychological aspect? I don't know. Probably a little bit of that, but they just, the Yankees just played better. And just did a better job, and the Twins just got the pinstripe fever. I, I, there is a a video that somebody put together that uh, that uh, takes the scene from the movie Airplane, where there was the 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 female passenger that's freaking out, and then the, the stewardess is trying to shaking her by her shoulders, trying to get her to you know get a grip, and then the passenger says, oh, "Stewardess, let me try," and then he. He starts shaking her shoulders and slaps her and all that, and it goes to passenger to passenger to passenger passenger going back. Um, somebody had created this video of it and uh, related it to the Yankees Twins thing. That's all I'm going to say. I'll link to it in the show notes so you can take a look at it. It 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 says it it, it sums it up in a nutshell, pretty much. Uh, I also blogged about this in this past week on the uh, Nostalgia Zone. Um, uh, blog site called Warehouse Fine. I'll link to that as well. Uh, on the show notes, you just go to dimland.com, you click on the sh- on the blog option, and you'll get to the show notes, and all my links will be in there. Um, and it's just, you know, it was a fun season. I'm very impressed with how the Twins did. Uh, I'm, I'm sad about the, the way it went in the season. Disappointed. It's typical uh, of what's been going on the last 16 years, 17 years. It's typical. But, uh, yeah, and and I also point out in the blog that the Twins aren't the only patsy that the Yankees have ever had in, in the Yankees' history. They're not the only ones. I will let you read the the piece so that you will find out more about it. So yeah, it's uh, they you know, they got the pinstripe fever. Uh, what else can you do? <laughs> uh, anyway, so um, I'm going to take the break then. Uh, the, the the Yankees are still alive in the postseason. They're going to be playing the Astros in the in the American League Championship Series. I think the Astros have a good chance of beating the Yankees to keep them out of the World Series. Uh, we'll see who ends up uh, be winning in the National uh, champ, National League Championship. It's between the St. Louis Cardinals and the um, uh, uh, Washington Washington Nationals. I would at that series. I'd like the Nationals to go on into the World Series because that would be excellent. They don't, they don't have a World Series uh, under their belt, and that'd be nice for them to get one. And the St. Louis Cardinals, they've won 11 World Championships in their history. The Yankees have won 27. Uh, the Cardinals are the next highest you know, after the Yankees as far as championships. So you know, it'd be nice to have the Nationals maybe win one. Um, but we'll see. All right, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I shall return after this break, and I'll talk about something other than baseball. the most annoying sound in the world?
You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Z-Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and, of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. I am living on Channel Z. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at uh, ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. As I, as I promised, I'm not going to talk about uh, baseball. But I am going to talk about the who. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. That's <laughs> just a joke. I'm not going to talk about them either. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, Inktober. Uh, you know what Inktober is? Uh, last year in October... I did a draw a daily drawing challenge called uh, that went under the heading of Draw Halloween. Draw Halloween. And and I um you know every day there was a prompt that had you know something to do with I guess what you would consider you know spooky stuff, you know Halloween, you know, that kind of thing. And uh that was fun. I enjoyed doing that. And uh and and a friend of mine out there in California land had told me that he says, "Well, have you heard of Inktober? Because there's a group of that does that, and they essentially the same thing, except they don't necessarily. It doesn't have to be Halloween themed type stuff. It's just they come up with a, a list of um, stuff for you to draw, and you, presumably you're supposed to use ink in your drawings. Not everybody does, <laughs> but you know that's fine." Um, and it's just to get people to do some drawings and to put some drawings, art, on Facebook. You know, just get it on the pages and and see some stuff there. And just to challenge yourself. If you maybe not a you maybe you're not a great drawer, but you're but you'd like to do it anyway, so you do it. And maybe you are a really good drawer, and you just want to hone your skills and challenge yourself and things like that. And so that's you know, I like to think that I'm that the the latter category. Uh, and so the the list popped up, oh, I don't know, middle of uh, September or something. Here, Okay, here's the list. There's a Facebook page, Inktober 2019. It's a group page, and I, I joined the group, and so then in September, the, the list went up. And it's uh, each each day, it's a one-word prompt that, uh, that you need. they say, whatever this word brings to your mind that you 
you know, however you associate it to with what you draw, you go ahead and do it. And and people were, you know, contributing. And some there's some really good artists out there that do some really nice work uh, in ink, and they and they were putting stuff up there. And I mean, nicely done stuff. Um, there are some people that's very rudimentary drawing stuff, but uh, some nice ideas. Even even though the the execution is rudimentary, but the idea might be kind of clever. And uh, and I tend to you know if I see something that hasn't gotten a like on it at all, I give it a like for crying out loud. But sometimes you know now this is the thing we don't you know don't just do it for the likes. You know, so I, and I don't just do it for the likes. But would a few likes be difficult? I mean, is it too much to ask? I spend an hour on one of these drawings, maybe less, maybe more. It's you, you think you you know something you know, I, and I think that I do something pretty good. I was like, well, yeah, I'm happy with how that one turned out. Now I set myself on a different sort of uh, challenge to make it even more than just what comes to mind when you see that word, but I uh, I even made it more challenging by saying, okay, what comes to mind that would fit in the horror category for Halloween? what comes to mind there and then i further uh challenged myself to come up with a scene from a movie so i so essentially i would just find scenes you know shots from a movie uh, a, a screen image and i would i would copy that i'll do the drawing of the the image but do something in the prompt would have me uh think of a movie so i got my sketchbook right next to me here and I got the prompt list that I wrote down. Uh, and the first, you know, the, for example, the first prompt was ring. And a lot of people drew uh, with the Halloween theme, scary stuff. They, they drew an image of uh, that uh, the character, that girl that crawls out of the well in the, the film the, uh, uh, the Ring, or Ringu, the Japanese version. I think it's called Ringu, the Japanese version. But the American version is called The Ring, and it's a videotape that if you watch this, you'll be dead in seven days or something like that. And so a lot of people drew that. A lot of people thought of Lord of the Rings and drew Gollum with the ring. Uh, I, on the other hand, decided to go with you know using the horror thing. Now, now not all of my movies are going to be horror movies. Most of them will. But I decided to go with um, uh, the movie The Mummy from 1932. And uh, Boris Karloff plays the mummy in there, and as uh, and, he, and as uh, at some point in there, he has he has a ring on his finger that's of a of a of a what is it? Uh, uh, it's one of those beetles, <laughs> scarab. He has a scarab for the ring, and at one point, you know, he's at the climax of the film. He's got in his hand, he's got this uh, stone knife made of flint or something. It's all. It's all flaked away, kind of a knife. It's not. He's holding that out, and he's he's holding his fist toward the camera with this, showing this ring, and he's 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 using some kind of powers to hold a couple of the good guys at bay. So I drew that. I thought that's cool. I drew that, posted it, and all that. Uh, there was a prompt called bait, and I thought, hmm, what could I go with on that one? And it hit me, Jaws. Now Jaws might not necessarily be a a horror movie, but it's it's sort of a horror movie. Well, it's a monster movie. It's half a monster movie, half an action thriller kind of thing. Uh, it's a suspense thriller too, and it's maybe a little bit horror, maybe, but uh, you know, close enough. And but I'm but I decided, okay, what could be the bait? 
and and I I, I had done a drawing in another uh, challenge where I did the scene with uh, uh, Chief Brody. He's chumming. He's throwing the bits of fish out into the water to tra attract the shark. And I drew that scene where you f we first get a, an eyeful of what the shark looks like. It comes up out of the water. Uh, I drew that. And I did, so I, I'm not going to use that, I, although chum is considered bait. I went a little darker. I picked the scene at the beginning of the movie where Chrissy runs out into the water and gets attacked by the shark. She was the bait. So I drew that. That's what, you know, so so that's, that's the kind of stuff that comes to mind and all that. Now... There was a challenge, uh, a prompt that's for build, and that you know that was the word build. And so I, you know, as I sat here trying to think of things to draw on this, and I'm writing down ideas of movies, I had come up with. Uh, I thought maybe I'd use Monolith Monsters, a scene from that. Are you familiar with that movie? It's from the 1950s, and it's a sci-fi uh, horror sort of. You know, it's a sci-fi thriller monster movie. But the monsters in the movie are very unusual. It's an oddball kind of monster movie. Uh, from outer space, this this these I don't know, creatures, if you will, but they're not really creatures. These this stuff comes to Earth, and what the monsters are are they're just they're just they're crystals. That grow very, very, very large, black crystals, and they, they grow. You know, they tower above the ground, and they get to a certain height, and it's, the weight is just too much for it to 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 sustain, and the the crystals will fall over. And as they fall over, they break into pieces, and then those pieces start to send up more uh, uh, towers, and they get too high, and then they collapse, and then more come up, and it does this, and they move in a path, and they just destroy anything in their path because they just crush it with their the, the weight of these crystals. It's an it's an intriguing idea. I, I, whoever came up with it, that's that's quite a odd idea, and and just it's not it's not a terrible uh, film. It's 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 interesting sci-fi classic. It's kind of like the tarantula. There was this film. I think they called it tarantula. It's a giant tarantula is is terrorizing the American Southwest, and it's just approaching cities, and and the humans are trying to figure out how to stop it and kill it and 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 end the threat. Well, Monolith Monsters takes place in the American Southwest, and and it's just this approaching creature, if you will, that the humans have to try to figure out how to stop. It's not all that different, except it's not a creature. It's it's minerals that are threatening to destroy civilization. Uh, but I just, when I sat, I looked at some scenes to draw from it, and I thought, I don't know, these kind of, these seem more like grow, for one thing, and I, I don't know if I could pull it off. I mean, I could draw them and they'd be fine, but I don't know. It wasn't speaking to me. And then it hit me. Build. <gasps> yes, if you build it, he will come. It's the phrase that popped in my head. If Oh, Field of Dreams. Okay, Field of, Field of Dreams is not a horror movie. But there are ghosts in it. And it has to do with baseball. And it's October. So I said, yeah, that'll work. So I, I found a scene. 
uh, a shot from the movie, and it's got uh, uh, um, what's his name, Kevin Costner, who plays Ray. Is that his name in the movie? Ray. Uh, people will come. Ray. Yeah, yeah, it's Ray. He's a farmer, and he's out in the cornfield at the beginning of the movie, and he's got his, he's got a shovel with him, and he's worried about being able to afford the farm or keep the farm and make the payments and all that. And he's standing among the corn, and he hears that whispered voice, if you build it, he will come. And he's looking around. So and he's like, did I hear that? And he's got this confused look on his face. And that's, I found a shot that has that look. And so I sat down, and and... I draw these drawings in ballpoint pen from start to finish. I'll use some whiteout if I have to, but I try to avoid it as much as possible. But I use a ballpoint pen in these drawings from start to finish. And these drawings are, they, they range from uh, uh, when I was doing them last year for Drawloween and for the other drawing challenge months that, that, I've, that I've done, uh, they range from being just a little bit more tight than than a rough thumbnail, a little bit better than a rough thumbnail, to an almost what I would consider almost a full-on drawing. Not quite. It's a step or two away from a full-on drawing. And a full-on drawing is something that I make sure that I render it out really well. And if it's a portrait, uh, you know, you it, it's black and white. I'm using a ballpoint pen. Uh, you look at it across the room, framed on the wall. You might think, is that a photograph? Is that a drawing? That's the effect I want people to 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 have. It's not, they're not necessarily photo realistic because if you get up close enough, you can say, oh, that's a drawing. I can see the pen pen marks and all that. But I want that that sort of that that feel that if just at the right angle or just a couple feet away, you think. Is that a photograph? That's that's what I want. That that reaction. Uh, and and so I, I, they don't get quite that far, but they get a little bit to that. So so they, they range in in between there. So it's better than a rough sketch, but it's not quite as tight as a full on, what I would consider a full on illustration portrait drawing thing. And I, so I sat down, and this was uh, this was last weekend. It was Saturday or something, and I, I sat down and I started drawing this image of Kevin Costner standing in corn, and I, I, I think I caught his likeness pretty well. I showed it to my wife, and she said, "What?" She was impressed. She said, "Yeah, that's pretty well." Didn't use any whiteout, ballpoint pen. You just go on ahead, just drew it out. So I. Scan. I, I take a picture of it. I put it onto on Facebook. I put it on the Inktober page, and I put it on my page. On the Inktober page, I think I got I don't know half a dozen likes. I thought, Seriously, there is somebody putting images on the Inktober page that are, as I said, it, it presumably you're supposed to use ink. That's that's the presumption. They are doing needlepoint, and for some reason. They still get they get more likes than I do, <laughs> and I just thought, what the hell? I mean, when I put them up on my page, you know, people who know me uh, put some likes to it. I thought I did a pretty decent job with it, and then then the the next day's prompt was husky, and I and a lot of people drew husky dogs, and I did too, except my husky dog was based on the alien creature in the movie The Thing from 1982 and it's when you know they they the the guys in that uh, in that base in Antarctica um, uh, have realized that 
the this, this dog is some kind of creature and it starts to transform back into some this gelatinous type form that it has and that's what I drew <laughs> I drew that that moment where it's, it's the dog heads there but all this all the fur has been pulled off of it and it's, it's mutated and, and lumpy and weird looking and and very very greasy and slimy looking and I drew that <laughs> you know that was my husky but again I'm, I'm limiting myself to horror movies or mainly horror movies and uh, and it, it and it has to be a scene from a movie. So it's got the horror theme and the scene from the movie. Uh, that's what I'm limiting myself to. Uh, I think I'm going to head to my break just a tiny bit early, uh, and I will be back after that break. After after this break, not that break. After this one, I'm vamping for time because I got to call up the right uh, thing here. So you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I shall return. Other guys. The finger. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Oh Lord, honey, can somebody tell me what my future holds? Hey man, you think I can get a reading? Wrong answer. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Doctor Dim, Jim Fitzsimmons, only on Z Talk Radio. Happy Jack wasn't all, but he was a man. Hi, this is Pete Townsend of The Who. I just want to say that the United States Air Force is a great place to be, a great place to learn a space-age skill and serve your country too. The Aerospace Team, that's where all the breakthroughs are. See your United States Air Force recruiter. Find out how you too can fly the skies, reach for the moon, and touch the stars in the United States Air Force. Get him some Z's. Get him some Z's. Getting some Z's. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Listen to Z Talk Radio. On ZTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Uh, I'm going to continue on a little bit with this uh, with this Inktober talk, but uh, in order to do so, I have to do one of these. It's time for another Dimland Radio pedantic moment. What did they get wrong this time, Dim? Well, I'll tell you what they got wrong this time. And this is something I did not notice for a long, long time. Uh, okay. Uh, one of the days for the Inktober uh, prompts uh, was... Uh, the, 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 the prompt was frail. And uh, it occurred to me that a good, uh, a good thing to draw for frail would be... 
uh, if you know the movie Seven, do you know the movie Seven from 1995? Stars uh, uh, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. Uh, it's a it's a very bleak, disturbing film about a serial killer and two detectives that are trying to to catch him. Uh, the serial killer is using the seven deadly sins to inspire his crimes, his murders, and uh, for the, the 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 deadly sin of sloth, uh, there is a uh, a drug addict that has been. Uh, reduced to uh, flesh stretched out over bone, essentially. And uh, the detectives and a SWAT team, uh, through the you know through the machinations of the film, find this this victim. And uh, uh, without giving much away for the scene, they they find this victim, and there's a uh, the the victim is lying in a bed and it looks like I said just it looks like skin pulled over a skeleton essentially not there's just not much sinew going on not much mis muscle not much and uh, it's the the left arm of this this addict is uh, is kind of held out uh, off the bed. And the shirt that's on it is kind of pulled down, down to its elbow or so, and you can see that the hand is missing. And there's a reason the hand is missing, and I won't go into that. But uh, you can see the hand's missing. And the 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 body is strapped down to this bed, and uh, the SWAT team is coming to take a look at it. And uh. uh I decided I would draw that uh, that victim uh, lying in the bed. So I went to find an image of it, and I found the scene on uh, on YouTube. They have the you can get they'll post scenes to movies to help promote them. And I um, did a screen capture of that particular that moment. I said, "Where do I want it?" Ah, that's where I want it. And I did a screen capture, and then uh, then I then I went in and took some. I have, I don't have Photoshop on this computer, but I do have some you know that that preview program where you can do some rudimentary work on on photographs, and I lightened it up so I could see what was going on in there for my drawing, and I noticed something. Uh, I will I, all these the images that I've mentioned to you. I will post them on the show notes page so that you can take a look at them. But okay, so so what what I noticed was uh, the right arm is uh, is um, is up. It's a, it's a, the upper part of the arm is against the guy's side, and his, his lower part is being held up, and the hand is kind of flopping. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of that's happening. Uh, the head is 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 uh, thrown all the way back in this moment. And the left arm is still off to the side, off the bed, except you can see another left arm held close against the left side of his body. And I went, what in the hell? I looked at that. I said, is that? And then I, I looked at the scene, and I said, sure enough, it is. And there's a couple of shots... Uh, in that scene, where you can see the actor's arm that you're not supposed to see, it's supposed to be hidden by the shirt. Uh, 
Uh, but there's a moment in there where something's happening with the, the body, and there's that arm that's not supposed to be there. The shirt is kind of... So in my drawing, if I had drawn it just as it was in the film, uh, I would have drawn in that arm. But I thought, no, I can't. You know, come on, i got to fix this. So I, I drew the, uh, the shirt uh, uh, hiding out that arm, and I took the arm away and all that so that you know so I, I fixed it because I just thought that, that would work best uh, check that out it's a neat little error I've seen the movie 7 a dozen times more than a dozen times it's it's as I said it's very dark it's very disturbing it's very good I think it's really well done I remember talking about a particular scene uh, with the uh, serial killer in the uh, giving uh, uh, some reasons for what he was doing and, and the choices made by the actor who played him uh, I thought were very interesting. I remember talking about that on this show some time ago. But I'm not going to bring up the whole thing because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. I have a friend out there who has not seen the movie. And I said, oh, well, you need to see this movie. So get on that, friend of mine out there. So, but, you know, with the, with the, with the Inktober, you know, is it going to hurt to give me a couple likes? A couple more than just a... I did... Uh, the, the most liked image that I did for the, uh, for the Inktober thus far, uh, the prompt was the word pattern. And I immediately thought of that shot in uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. The brilliant The Shining. This is a brilliant movie. Uh, where Danny is, is playing with his cars and he's on this... And you know the carpet in this hotel, which is, has this pattern to it, and I just thought that's that's it. And the and the ball rolls up to him. Who who rolled the ball to him? Did the hotel roll the ball to him? The ghost in the hotel? Was it his? Was his? Did his dad roll the ball to him? What's going on here? It's 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 a great great movie. If you haven't seen it, it's great. It builds tension so wonderfully, and it doesn't answer all the questions. You're, you, I remember watching that movie, seeing it when it came out. My my mom brought me and uh, uh, my younger brother and I, me, about my mother, yeah, my brother, younger brother and me to the movie, and uh, we just we walked out thinking, okay, who was Jack to this hotel? Oh, it's 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 just great. It's a great 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 horror movie. It's fantastic. Um, so if you haven't seen it, you should. Let's see. What else have I got? <laughs> um, I, I was doing my job tonight, uh, janitor job, and you know sometimes, <sighs> sometimes uh, it, there are things that bother us janitors about stuff that goes on, it, it, but with people, uh, there's what they do in their offices and just how they they make our jobs harder. Yes, so you, I understand that you know, a mess is going to be made. It's going to happen. Things are going to happen. But can you not do certain things? There's one guy. There's one guy in this building that I that I take care of, and I've been taking care of this building for 16 plus years. And there's a guy in there that just, you know, he can't get his trash in the trash can. 
there's almost always stuff laying around the trash can. He just can't get it into the everything into the can. He has plants that he puts on his window ledge, and he sprays them with some kind of oil, which ends up being really sticky and globby on the glass of the window and on the ledge, and I have to try to clean that. I mean, that's making my job harder. You're making my job harder. Can you just keep the plants at home and stop doing this kind of crap here? And every just about every time I go in there, two days a week I clean this particular building, and just about every single time, on the floor is a paper clip that he's pulled out of shape. I don't know what he used them uses them for. I don't know why, but it's just about every time I clean it. There it is, at, at least one laying on the floor, and I just pick it up and I put it right on the middle of his desk where he'll see it. First thing, I used to put it on his chair. I, sometimes I put it on the keyboard. Here it is. Yeah, I'm finding this. Would you would you keep these on your desk? It's just. Ugh. You know, so when somebody makes your job, just they just make it harder. So stop doing that. They eat sunflower seeds, and they get. I've had it happen where I swear it's like, you know, two thirds of the shells make it into the trash, but the other third are around the trash, and they sit right next to it. Can't you get them all in there? So it's just uh, that can happen. But then there's stuff that happens which is it's not intentional and it's not neglect. It's uh, somebody had an accident. And I think that's what happened here. I went into the men's room, and I smelled a very strong stench of urine. Like, what the hell? Did they not flush the urinal? And I flush it, and and then and then I you know I go you know I I, uh, you know, I think I went in to go to the bathroom myself. And I I flushed it, and I leave, and then I come back in to to clean it or go to the to the bathroom again man of a certain age with uh, certain things going on that makes me have to pee frequently. It's not—it's no fun, kids. Anyway, uh, and I go back, and it still smells like it. What's going on? I check the... There's a little air freshener in there that goes off every 15 minutes. It's still working? What the heck? The scented urinal screen that I put in there that's supposed to be good for a month? I just put it in the week before... Yeah, what's, it's the, is it the floor drain? Is it, started, is it dried out? Do I need to pour water down there? Don't know quite yet. And then I go in to start cleaning it up, and I realize that I notice, oh, that's right, the top of the urinal. It's not one of those high-setting ones. It's a lower-setting one. The top of the urinal got wet. And and it and I and I looked at oh I bet you I bet you know that that's you know somehow somebody peed on top of the urinal. And then I step back and I look down on the floor underneath it, and in the corner it's all wet. And I went, oh, somebody missed and did a lot of peeing in the corner. That's what it is. So when I went in to do the cleanup, did everything, did the main cleanup, got the mop bucket, gave it a really good mop, and then I went back in before, you know, I went to vacuum to finish everything up, and then before I left, I went back in again to go to the bathroom. And the smell was gone. So that's what it was. So... Every now and then, <laughs> something can happen that can just make you go, Ugh. But let's not end on that. There's a cool thing that I'd like to tell you about. Uh, there's a podcast called Monster Talk. Uh, it's Blake Smith and Karen Stolznell that do it. I, I, I don't listen to it as frequently as I used to, uh, but 
uh, on their Facebook page, they had posted that they were going to be doing a very special 200th episode. And that was going to be, uh, you know, uh, Blake and Karen. And I think they had... Did they have guests? Boy, yeah, I, just, I listened to it. But they were going to reminisce... Yeah, I think they had a guest. They, they were going to reminisce on the... Uh, the granddaddy of all paranormal TV shows, the one that started all the all the unsolved mystery type shows and ghosts and aliens and all those shows that are just just polluting the the cable uh, stations today. It started them all in search of, with a hosted by Leonard Nimoy, and I I know I've talked about the show on occasion here. I love the show. I still do. I hate it. <laughs> I hate what it did. Uh, it attempted to do some science, but it always tended to lean toward the mystery instead of the solution of the mystery. And if they had a solution, their solution to the mystery would tend to be magic and fantasy and silliness and and you know all that. But it just it had great music. It had a great host, Leonard Nimoy, the voice, the look, this just how he presented it. It just he gave it, uh, you know, he was Spock. He was the science officer on Star Trek. That it just had that that imprimatur that he brought. You know that that uh, Spock had to prove this show. Not that he did, but you know, this is a character. But it's just it was that's what it was. It was just so. Look at it, you know. It it was great. It was a great voice. Now it was originally supposed to be hosted by um, uh, Rod Serling of uh, Twilight Zone fame, and Rod Serling had narrated uh, three previous uh, TV specials that led to In Search of becoming a, a series. <clears throat> and the first one of those was called In Search of Ancient Astronauts. And I guess that was a longer film, like an hour and a half film, that was originally released as Chariots of the Gods, or you know, based on that book by Eric Von Daniken, Chariots of the Gods, which is a total bullshit book about Eric Von Daniken seeing aliens everywhere he looked. And, uh, you know, it's like the ancient people just weren't smart enough to figure out how to do all this stuff, so they had to have aliens help them. You know, like, because you couldn't, there's no way. Human beings aren't that smart, especially the brown ones. Yeah, there was a little bit of that. Not that I'm not saying that Irvine Donegan uh, had a, a problem with with brown people. It's just that it seemed to, it seemed to be much more pointed toward you know how could the Egyptians have built those pyramids and how could the people in Mesoamerica built those pyramids and how could they you know it tended to be people of the darker skin. Yeah, you know, not so much not so much questioning that the how how could white people build the the Colosseum. You know, it's not so much questioning of that. It's just this other stuff. You know, it's a, it's just a, there's an element there. Maybe I, I don't want to hit it too hard, but there's an element there. This is the I guess the soft racism. Anyway, um, so Blake and Karen talked about the show and what they liked about it and all that. You know, and what they didn't like about it and all that. But they also uh, uh, let us know that there's going to be a new podcast coming out that Blake is going to co-host with a fellow named Jeb Card. Uh, Jeb Card is a uh, professor, university professor somewhere. I, I can't remember his what his science is. I don't think it's geology. It might be geology. But um, 
he uh, uh, the two of them are going to host this podcast which is called in research of and they're going to look at each episode of of uh, of uh, what's the show I'm talking about in search of and they're going to see what you know they're going to re-examine what is being shown on those what does the science tell us about it and and that kind of thing and they're going to and I I'm looking forward to it in fact um, uh, on the Facebook page for Monster Talk uh, Blake had announced that they were going to be doing the 200th episode was going to be about in search of, and uh, there got there was a discussion in the in, in the comments thread after that, and uh, at one point I said, you know, I'd always thought it'd be a good idea if somebody would do a podcast where they looked at each episode of In Search of and and told us what the science says about it, and they could, you could be called I don't know In Search of the Answers, and. There were some comments made to that saying, oh, that's a great idea. And Blake commented uh, to Jeb. He tagged Jeb and he said, Jeb, tick tock. And, and, then, and then shortly after that, Blake announces that this podcast is coming out. Now, I immediately thought, hey, I inspired it. But really, no, they'd been working on it for a while. And the tick tock response was to say, uh, we better get this going uh, before too late. <laughs> but it's, I, the first episode's out. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's finding its footing. And how they're going to do things, uh, it, I think it's a it's a nice first start. They look at uh, the the what would be considered one of the pilots of the of the series, uh, the you know in search of ancient astronauts. But their next episode, they're going to go to the first episode of In Search of, which is about talking to plants, which seems like a weird place to start. But that's what they did. That's the, the first episode was: Can plants feel? Can we communicate with plants? That kind of thing, it's a uh, it's a little silly, but it's awfully cool. Uh, at least the podcast has the potential to be very cool, and I hope it turns out that way. Because uh, uh, you know, and I hope you've had at least one cool thing happen for you this week. Good night, Adolfo. Good night, Frau Blucher. Uh, the end of another episode. Uh, well, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network, and as I always say, be skeptical, and that extraordinary claims do require extraordinary evidence. And I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons, and I'm reminding you all to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Bonjour, Monsieur Dim. You are too clever for us naughty people. Well, I'm going to hell.